Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast Podcast. I am Liz Loza, and I am joined today by none other than Dalton Del Don. Who, by the way, Dalton, can you just give everyone who might be listening to the football podcast but also has interest in baseball a little tease? Because I believe our game opens rather soon. Yes, I'm working backstage on the rankings and all that stuff. So, yes, I don't have an exact date, but baseball is brewing and it'll be launching very, very soon. Yes, very, very soon as you are moving into baseball season. And Dalton, who managed to take a breath and a pause away from that effort to join us for this football pod in which we're going to preview the weekend's games. If you're in a playoff league, we're of course going to throw out some props and some DFS, even if you're not, but it's always good to keep abreast of the situation, especially for you dynasty and keeper lovers and really just NFL aficionados. As always, this week's odds are from our friends at BetMGM who have a deal going on right now. We all like deals. New users can get $25 in bonus dollars upon registration. Nope, deposit required and they can be used immediately and if that's not enough also receive a hundred percent deposit match up to a thousand dollars with their first deposit you can do you can sign up for that at betmgm.com slash yahoo and make sure to use the promo code sportsbook when you make your first deposit promo is valid for new users in new jersey west virginia indiana tennessee or colorado and that are 21 years or older terms of course apply they always apply so later in the show dalton and i are going to discuss uh the new coaching hires and some news around the league that's been slowly popping up dalton i have to say like this year's news cycle seems to be moving at a glacial pace as opposed to previous years like previous years you could pretty much figure out ahead of time what was going to happen. And this year's been a little bit slower. There have been some surprises, of course. Um, But before we get into all that, we're going to, as I said earlier, talk about this weekend's NFL Conference Championships and discuss a little DFS, maybe throw in a fun prop or three. That's a tease. That means three. That means my producer wants us to talk about three. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Dalton, only two games. Not a whole lot to cover. The first one, Tampa Bay at Green Bay. Green Bay giving three and a half. I'm potentially interested in taking Green Bay at three and a half, but at three, even that half point seems a little bit uh, too much for me. What about you? Excited for both of these games, and uh, I'm with you there. I'm leaning Packers, definitely leaning Packers, but I like them a lot more at three than three and a half. And public money's typically on Brady, so if I were leaning toward Green Bay, I'd just sit tight now. I think that line has a better chance of moving to three come game time than it does moving up to four. So with Mm -hmm. you there, should should be a fun one. Uh, Brady... Um, it might be calling for some snow here, cold weather, but luckily for him, it's uh, not a night game. Um, the Packers uh, and <laughs> Rodgers, Rodgers have lost three straight NFC Championship games. This is his first ever home one where, where Rodgers, crazy stat floating around, is 70-1 and one when leading at home at halftime in, in Lambeau. Oof. I mean, just wild. Um, but on the flip side, Tampa Bay gets Vitavea off IR. Their defense is healthy. David Bakhtiari obviously remains out uh, for Green Bay's offensive line, so... This should be, I mean, it's, it's, it's about a field goal spread for a reason. I mean, this should be a fun game. Uh, Tampa Bay, you know, destroyed them when they, when they met in the regular season. But the same could have been said for the Saints versus Tampa Bay. So not necessarily predictive moving forward. So I'm curious your takes here, uh, Liz. I've been talking a lot. It should be, should be a great game. 
No, I like all the points that you made about the the Bucks defense getting healthier, having more players available. We'll talk about some of the offensive players that may not, we don't know 100% right now, be available for the matchup. But I think ultimately what you have here is Aaron Rodgers, who has put together this MVP season. I love the 70-1 to 1 stat. Excellent research there, Dalton. But also you have Tom Brady last week bucking the trend that when two teams meet for a third time uh, in the po- the third time obviously in the postseason um it is majoritively the uh team that has taken the regular season that also prevails in the playoffs and that was not the case and that is not the case because Tom Brady is different in the postseason this is not um this is why you get Tom Brady. You, this is where you see the ice water flowing through his veins. This is where that experience comes into play. And let's be honest, he has more experience, believe it or not, than Aaron, he has more experience than anybody in the playoffs than Aaron Rodgers. So I think the Tom Brady factor, which I think you were alluding to when you're talking about the public money and, and whom it is more favorable towards, is a factor that we can't really quantify yet. And it'll be interesting to see how that's utilized. I will say personally, I'm rooting for Aaron Rodgers, even as a Bears fan, because I want to see him um, put an exclamation point on the season that he has put together thus far. Crazy that uh, Brady had never lost uh, twice to a divisional opponent in his career until doing to the Saints this year. And then as he got his revenge in the playoffs, Aaron Rodgers, I'm a fan, man. I wish the Niners drafted him originally when they had the chance and he was playing college just down the road. He went to the junior college, uh, Butte, uh, and I graduated from Chico College. So he went to St. College, my area. Great interview, man. He tells it like it is. He's a rare athlete. Um, I'm rooting for him as well. Um, should I, on the other side, though, I will say this. The Green Bay defense last week, they quietly provided the most pressure on a Sean McVay quarterback ever. A Sean McVay coached quarterback ever. And that's the 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 the, the recipe behind beating Brady is providing pressure, and especially if you can do it without blitzing. So that if that is a thing, and if they do provide more pressure, that is definitely a concern for Brady. But otherwise, man, uh, Antonio Brown's not healthy. I was going to say it's nice to finally get a compliment. The, the rest of their offense is getting healthier with Evans and Godwin and, and, and Ronald Jones. But Antonio Brown, you know, his, his availability uh, could be an issue here. Right, he's dealing with a knee injury, and he is set to be a game-time decision. So we don't know 100% if he's going to go. And Ronald Jones, who you just mentioned, is, quote, feeling better than last week. He's dealing with a quad injury. I think what you said a little earlier about the cold weather, though, is going to come into play, especially with this backfield. Because if you have a bad quad, I mean, I don't imagine the uh, chilly climbs of of Green Bay being particularly helpful to tense muscles, you know, to strained muscles, those soft tissue issues can be exacerbated in extreme cold temperatures. So uh, that'll be interesting as well. And, you know, as you were talking about the pressure rate that Mike Pettin was able to get on Jared Goff, who, by the way, as a side note, coming out of college, was comp to being a bad Tom Brady. So, you know, there might be a little bit of a blueprint there. Now, the obviously, the, the discrepancy between Goff and Brady is massive, but there have been some uh, skill set overlaps, at least during the scouting process. And in terms of type of play, what these players can do, obviously not to the same level. So there might be a blueprint here. But the thing that strikes me the most was even though Aaron Donald was not 100% last week, you saw Aaron Rodgers having no ish with any of the pressure. One of the most calm, comfortable. He looked like Bernie Sanders at the inauguration sitting in the pocket. No worries. Just ready to like get out of the cold and throw the ball, you know? So I'm, I'm wondering if... um. When we're talking about quarterbacks being pressured, I'm going to give the advantage to uh, to Aaron Rodgers, even though those defensive lines are quite different. By the way, Goff wasn't terrible despite that pressure and playing in cold weather and with a messed up finger, although the reports are him and McVay are having uh, problems. That'll definitely be a story, an offseason story to follow. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers has received the fewest amount of pressures of any quarterback this season. The offensive line has been fantastic. Uh, the coaching year two in Lafleur's system, just the pre-snap motion, the play action, it has been it's been awesome. I, I stopped 
Uh, I, for a while there, I was just, you know, this team last year, their, their point differential didn't equal their 13-3 and record, got blown out in the conference final uh, championship game, uh, wasted their first two uh, draft picks. Um, so I was still questioning how real they are. But man, they, they, I, I stopped about halfway through the season. And I, I, this offense absolutely could easily win the Super Bowl. Here we are favored, you know, in the conference championship for a reason. So I do think it's a tough task for, for Brady. He's going to have to play better than last week. Tampa Bay benefited from the turnovers big time. And that Green Bay offense, no matter how healthy and, and how much better Tampa Bay's D's playing, you're right. Aaron Rodgers, locked and loaded. They're going to put up points, no doubt. Let's talk about Buffalo at Kansas City. Uh, interesting, I guess the biggest note obviously remains Patrick Mahomes, who is still in the concussion protocol, but practicing on a limited basis. He, of course, was tweeting immediately after the game um, last week. And, you know, there is some argument to the thought that he's not he, he's not going to be held out because if he was able to tweet and he had that cognizant ability um then he should be fine he doesn't as far as we all know have a history of concussions so my money's on him making it to the field on sunday how about you yeah, the same thing. I thought this there was going to be as such when the line came out Sunday night, uh, Chiefs minus three. I was like, oh, apparently Vegas isn't too worried about his availability yeah. next week because it would be so different with Chad Haney. So I expect him to play. Um, but the other question is, it's not just the, you know, coming off the concussion or the chokeout. Either way, the it was toe? obviously, it obviously missed him. Yeah, the, the toe for sure. I mean, he said he led the league in those long first down scrambles for first downs um, this season. And he runs more in the postseason. He did it last year in games that matter. Obviously, it makes sense to, to be a little bit riskier. So, um, and he also buys time to go downfield too. It's not just the rushing there. It's within the pocket. Um, but having said all that, um, I would back to KC here that, Mahomes is 24 and one, his last 25 starts. The Chiefs have led in 60 straight games. Um, they have home field, the coaching, uh, should be another fun one. And definitely Mahomes, uh, his injury, you know, his, his, his status right now is a wild card. No question about it. But, um, I'm leaning toward giving the, giving the points and, and going Chiefs here. What about you, Liz? Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, I- as incredible as the strides that Brian Dable has made with Josh Allen as a passer deserve to be recognized. And we know that Josh Allen is a capable scrambler. I think he had over 400 rushing attempts throughout the regular season. That's about a hundred more than Patrick Mahomes had, but I still, you know, it's, it's just hard as Allen is coming into this more evolved version of himself, we've seen Patrick Mahomes already be there, right? Like he may be, he's Patrick Mahomes is still better overall than Josh Allen, even if Josh Allen has taken steps, leaps forward that Patrick Mahomes hasn't necessarily had to take. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes sense. Josh Allen just had the great, arguably the greatest improved season ever. Yeah. I mean, the completion percentage, the advanced nerd stats, whatever you want to look at. I mean, it was such a gigantic leap. Um, so yeah, this is still a tall task to go into Arrowhead and beat, beat Mahomes here. So he's, Allen's awesome. Probably finished third in MVP voting this year. Um, and he has his team within a, a, you know, three point spread in Arrowhead. It's pretty impressive. Uh, guys, idiots like me questioning his, his accuracy entering the year. Wow. Here we are. And he's one of the final four teams, man. Awesome. Awesome year for Josh Allen. And what, both of these teams have such extraordinary fan bases and such in real world uh, value um, in a non-COVID year home field advantages. Arrowhead being one of the most loud stadiums and then Buffalo Orchard Park obviously having this this massive ground swell of fan support that's unrivaled. But again, I do think the home field advantage is going to be significant, especially when the margin is just a field goal is so small. And both of these backfields have some issues. You know, you basically saw Buffalo last week abandon the run. It was all on Josh Allen's arm. And then this week, um, we Devin Singletary still remains the lead runner. There's no Zach Moss. I believe Devonta Freeman like has been added to the squad, but that's a relatively that's a very new, not even relative, it's a re- very new relationship. And then uh, for the Chiefs, Le'Veon Bell is dealing with knee swelling. He's not a lock to play, and he was outsnapped by Daryl Williams anyway last week. Um, and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming off of that pretty intense hip issue might be a little bit rusty, especially figuring that he's a rookie and the experience of the postseason being a different level than what a rookie might be used to. 
So the Bills have produced one of the lowest uh, neutral pass rates this season, and the Chiefs by far their most run-heavy game this season is their their previous uh, early season matchup with Buffalo. So maybe we could expect more of the same there. But you said there's questions in the backfield. Bell was swelling in his knee, and he couldn't even get touches without CEH. So I wouldn't use him in DFS no matter what his price is. Um, but yes, yeah, CEH's availability is going to be important, and this game is the the afternoon game. So that could be a problem. We may not even know until till Sunday after the first game. So that's, that's going to be tricky um but yeah the running back situation here for both teams is a big question mark i will probably go back to devin singletary just because he's 16 dollars and there's no zach moss but they totally ignored the ground game last week and i don't blame them that's that's how they've gotten this far by relying on josh allen and passing but having said that chiefs i think they have a 31st ranked run defense dvoa and that's with them facing the easiest schedule so they can be beat on the ground and, and every, you know, games, uh, weekly game plan can be different than last week. But one thing I like to point out about Kansas City is I said they've led 30 straight games and, and all these impressive stats. Over their last eight victories, none have even been by a touchdown. So they've all been playing these really close games. And I'm not, they certainly are beatable. And the Bills defense has played much better too. It's not just Josh Allen. They're a well-coached team. So, Leslie yeah, Frazier. I mean, I expect this to be a, another a, a close one, man. This should be really fun games. I, I kind of like teasing the home teams, but if I said that, it'd be like a donkey. You're not supposed to tease below the zero, but I, I like the home teams, but I expect them to be very, very close this weekend. And I'd probably lean toward the unders too here. I think with the weather and the way these defenses have been playing, um, I, I don't know. I, I It would be fun if DFS, if they're both shootouts in the mid-50s, but I, I, I could actually see them leaning more toward under 50 in both these games. Are we both agreeing, though, uh, in terms of the winning teams were going chalk with Green Bay giving three, not three and a half, and Kansas City giving three as well. You're taking Green yep, Bay and Kansas City, but yeah. Yep, yep, that's what I'm going I, with. Yep. I think, is it also because maybe everybody, I'm not going to single us out, but most people would like to see uh, an Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl? That's, I mean, it's, just not betting against Mahomes. I know that the, the health is obviously an issue there, but so, so good. And, um, Aaron Rodgers has been so good. Yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a fun fun story and, and fun matchup for sure. No, no question. So we've been te- teasing DFS um, throughout the opening of the show. And now that we've covered the two matchups, let's go to those um, DFS options. Of course, we're using the Yahoo Daily Fantasy pricing. Um, Dalton, give me your favorite quarterback pick. Who is it? We got, we got four in reality to choose from. Yeah, so I went Brady at 28 because he was the cheapest of the four. Um, yeah, I think they're going to have to have to throw the ball there. Probably maybe even playing from behind. So I'm just going to spend spend elsewhere here. So I went with the cheapest of the four QBs. That makes sense. Um, that is, I would say, probably the consensus of the value picks, quote value picks. I mean, again, there's only four quarterbacks to choose from. Um, I think that Rodgers is probably the consensus favorite um, overall of all of the picks. He's only $33. But in my personal lineup, I always like to say what I did instead of like saying, well, here's what you should do. I'm going to tell everyone my process so that I think it's a little bit more transparent and honest. I went with Patrick Mahomes. I paid up. He is not the most expensive quarterback. That would be Josh Allen at 40. But Mahomes is 38. We've noted the health concerns, but we've also noted the talent and I just, I just, I want a Chiefs stack, especially given the fact that this matchup has the higher, higher over under. Um, so I'm going to pay for it. Uh, I can't argue with you, Mahomes. No, no <laughs> question. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my priority was Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey because yes, because I have the most confidence in that Chiefs passing offense. So, so yeah, no, no argument here at all. Uh, the quarterback to avoid, we both have Josh Allen, and I think that's primarily because of the price point. No. Yeah, it really is. It's just it's just the price point, man. The guy's awesome, and obviously you get the rushing equity, and just Singletary so, totally ignored. Like I couldn't blame you here. It could be another high scoring game, obviously, but yeah, it's just 100 percent coming down to the price here. Okay, let's move ahead to the running back since we've talked about how a lot of these backfields are dinged up. Um, who did you take? You mentioned Devin Singletary earlier in his sixteen dollar price point. Is that who you're also throwing into your favorite pick in the DFS game? Yeah, it's just because of expected volume there. I know that it wasn't great last week, but he's the only guy there with no Zach Moss. Like I said, game plans can change weekly, and Casey's most vulnerable against the run. So maybe Buffalo concentrates more on him, maybe throw him a couple passes. So 
the, really the issue here is I don't love the running back position this week. Uh, you know, Aaron Jones is the clear number one guy, but he's not, hasn't exactly been a workhorse either. And he's facing the league's number one rush D. So really here, the running back is very, very tricky for the, for uh, the championship games. It's, it's interesting here. I love that. I love that you teased Aaron Jones. We're going to talk about in a minute more from a DFS standpoint. I also found a equally priced running back. Singletary was your pick, like I said, for 16. Daryl Williams is also only $16. So if you're looking for a cheaper RB2 because you want to pay up for the Chiefs passing game, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, or you're looking for flex options, um, I like Williams because, listen, he outsnapped, as I mentioned earlier, Le'Veon Bell last week. And Dalton, you made the point that even with Clyde Edwards Hilaire on the field. Uh, Le'Veon Bell couldn't really get enough that was worthwhile. Um, Williams has been to the show before. He is not new to this process. And we don't know how healthy CEH is. And we also know that Le'Veon Bell's dealing with a knee situation on top of, he wasn't able to practice today, on top of the reluctance to use him in a workhorse capacity. So I think that Daryl Williams is a sneaky $16. And I think that you're looking for that price point. I think a lot of people are going to be on Singletary because they know that Zach Moss isn't available. And maybe Williams is a, is, people are a little more shy to use because of the return of CEH. Uh, Williams is a, a great tournament play, especially being the afternoon game. Maybe we don't even know the news of CH, so his roster percentage is down there. I don't trust Le'Veon Bell at all, even before the news of his knee swelling. And CH, that looked gross, that injury, when he was twisted like that. High ankle sprain and a hip. Um, they, they, they've been saying encouraging things, but he didn't even play last week. So limited still in practice, and we're getting later in the week. So I like that. Would it be that crazy if the Chiefs suddenly had three rushing touchdowns from their running back this game? I know it'd be annoying for everyone who invested in CH this year, but I could see a game like that happening. <laughs> so, I mean, really, I mean, the Chiefs have the best offense in the league or whatever or up there, and it, it wouldn't be crazy if Daryl Williams gets all their touches this week or most of their touches, given their situation. And we have seen, while they have played better, certainly, and Leslie Frazier deserves a round of applause, we have seen Buffalo falter versus the run over the regular season. It's not like it's an impossibility or uh, like a consistent, the, the end of the season here hasn't been particularly consistent with the regular season on balance. Oh, Williams is even their third down guy this season with a healthy Edwards Hilaire. So, yes, yeah, I, I like it. I like the call. Like I said, his roster percentage will be low. Um, everyone will be on Singletary for the reasons that I said. And the, the team, the, the KC team is the one at home with, uh, with that are favored. So the game script could be better there. So if CH doesn't play or he gets, you know, he plays, then leaves or is limited. Um, I don't know. You're kind of talking me into this one here. Definitely have him in a, in a oh. tournament lineup. Well, talk me into Aaron Jones because I know that he is your quarter, your running back to avoid. He's the most expensive running back in our game at 31. Um, I'm assuming it's also because of price point and because of the matchup and because there has been a reluctance from LaFleur to lean on him in a workhorse capacity. However, reports today, practice reports today, indicate that Jamal Williams is banged up. A.J. Dillon's also banged up, which might mean that LaFleur might have to put all of his chips on Aaron Jones, and we know he has the talent even in uh, in a tough matchup. Yeah, I'm certainly changing my tune here if both Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon are out. I was one of the guys thinking that maybe they're, they're, whole, they're saving Aaron Jones uh, for the postseason, a heavy workload, used him in DFS last weekend. No, apparently they're saving him for free agency because uh, they still <laughs> rotated him. It didn't make much sense, but... Um, it's also the fact that the Tampa Bay is the league's best rush defense, yeah. but I could certainly see the counter argument. There's no other running back here that you want to pay up for. Uh, my, my other argument though, is just, I personally am after Devonte Adams or, or even Tyree kill and Kelsey. That's where, that's where my DFS money's going this week. Interesting. I mean, I did take Aaron Jones at 31 and I paired him with your guy, Devin Singletary in my personal DFS lineup. So I still think there's a way to pay up for wide receiver because I'm going to go first on this one. I went with Tyreek Hill, who's $33, $5 less than Devontae Adams. And the reason I frankly did that is because Carlton Davis has been absolute fire over the season and over the postseason per PFF. He has forced the most incompletion since 2019 uh, he shut down Mike Evans, something embarrassing. I mean, he shut down Michael Thomas, something embarrassing last week. And obviously, Michael Thomas has not been healthy throughout the season. There were reports that he played and suited up really just because he knew this was going to be Drew Brees' last year and he didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to do something special with Brees. But 
those are some those are some eye popping numbers. And Davis certainly has some momentum moving in his direction. I want to circle real quickly back to your Aaron Jones take. Um, I could warm up to him more also because I like to pivot off Leonard Fournette. And if Ronald Jones is is feeling better and that's going to become a total split, you might just have to get Aaron Jones in there with every other option just being total to split work. So him being the only guy there, especially with the other two guys banged up, um, talking myself more into to Aaron Jones because these wide receivers are going to be tough to pick. I mean, Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams, I do not have a strong argument, even though I said Adams. Uh, uh, Hill, maybe I'll counter and say that Buffalo's defense is really tries their main goal is to take away the deep ball and they play that shell um but Tyree Kill they use you know they, they use them on the diagonal routes too Adams I just love how they use them at the goal line it's like they're cheating with those touchdowns down there but yeah, yeah not an ideal matchup with Carlton Davis but they move him around the line of scrimmage so much and Adams has just been so money in the bank but yes Hill or or Adams I think in, in DFS you pretty much you have to start there it's a price I mean the, the difference is five dollars so whatever you need to do and $5 is just the right, I feel like 3 to $5 is just the right enough uh, amount to like throw off your entire roster construction, right? Your entire lineup is like, oh, I just need one more dollar. So that might be the difference you need. Um, Dalton makes excellent points about both the Cheetah and Adams, um, particularly in the red zone. Let's talk about wide receivers to avoid I'm I chose Mike Evans at $24 and we were talking th- about this a little bit before we started recording. Antonio Brown is a game time decision. We don't know if he's going to make his way onto the field. That means that Chris Godwin and Mike Evans would be the number 1 and number 2 wide receivers. Now, of course there are other pass catching options as we've seen in Tampa Bay, but Jair Alexander has been Absolute money. I talked about how Carlton Davis had the most force incompletion since 2019 for PFF. Well, Jair Alexander is number two at 30. So <laughs> that's still plenty. That's a really interesting battle of cornerbacks, right? Battle of matchups. And you would have to imagine that because Jair Alexander is mostly an outside receiver, he will be on Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who has spends a significant amount of his time in the snaps, will be able to move away from uh, from Alexander. And I would like to mention to that end that uh, Chris Godwin is $26. Mike Evans is 24. Antonio Brown, who might not even play, is 18. So Chris Godwin might be a sneakier value play at $26 if you're looking to you know, if you're looking for some other um, star wide receivers, but you were worried about the volume between the three being cannibalized, Godwin might have more than we're expecting. Yeah, I'm with you. Godwin is a Tampa Bay receiver I'm after in DFS this week. Okay. Uh, Jair Alexander lined up in the slot just 3% of the time this year. That's where Godwin lined up 70% of the time. Uh, Evan still could be banged up. I think he only had, well, that was his only catch last week, right? That three-yarder. Yeah. So not entirely sure how fully recovered he is. And my avoid was Antonio Brown, but that's kind of kind of obvious with him uncertain to even, even play there. So those two receivers, even if they do suit up, they won't be close to 100%. Godwin should avoid Jair. So yeah, I, I, I'm with you here. I like another uh, quick one since my avoid is so obvious. I'll say John Brown at 14 um, is an is an interesting one coming yeah. off 11 targets last week and healthy now. And that's even before Gabe Davis missing practice and banged up and Cole Beasley might not be totally right either yet. So I really like John Brown at 14 as well. I love him. I have him as my wide receiver three. So preach on all day, Dalton. Let's talk tight ends. Um, I, uh, both of our picks here, go ahead and, and why don't you give yours first? Because I think it is brilliant. Yeah, Dawson Knox, just 11 bucks. They're nearly the minimum. KC's been bottom eight against, they've been vulnerable to the to the tight end. So he seems like a, an easy pivot there. I will say in these two-game uh, DFS uh, lineup, with just two, two games, uh, you could easily go tight end at, at your flex position and go two tight ends in a way to save money, especially with Knox at 11 there. I, I, I think that's an option. I love that. But that's actually what I did in my DFS lineup um, because I wanted to pay up. I, I wanted Tyreek Hill and I wanted Chris Godwin for the points I just made. And then I went John Brown and I didn't have enough money to find. I didn't have the five dollars that I referenced earlier to sub in Williams, the running back in Kansas City, which is what I wanted to do in my flex. So I decided to go with Knox at 11 in my flex. Um, I for my tight end obviously didn't have enough money to pay up for Travis Kelsey because he is. Uh, far and away the most expensive tight end at $34. The second priced 
uh, tight end is Robert Tanyan at 18. Major discrepancy between those price points, though, obviously. I went with Robert Tanyan. We see what sort of effect he has in the red area of the field. Uh, he wrote a banger of an article for the Players Tribune, which gives a lot of insight about his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. He was part of that crew along with Alan Lazard that famously went to Rodgers Thanksgiving uh, dinner. What was that back in 2019? So he was part of that crew. They call him Bobby. He's a kid from Illinois. He was one of, I think I had in my week threes, he was leading my week three sleepers list. So it's nice to see him hit. I will continue to have affection for him, even though he's a Chicago kid or Chicago area kid playing for the Packers. The first game, by the way, you have to check out this article on the Player Tribune. He wrote it himself or he said he did. And it was really, really lovely. Helped me fall in love with the kid on a whole nother level. But he said that the first football game he ever went to because he's from the Chicagoland area, was a Packers game. Everyone in his family's a Bears fan, obviously. And I just think that's an awesome story to, like, go to your first football game. It is in Green Bay, and then you become an unknown, like, an unknown kid. I think he's, like, a He's gone through a, a converted wide receiver, and I think he was—I think he played quarterback in high school as well, and then he uh, converted to wide receiver in college and then converted to tight end. Um, I believe that's the trajectory of his career. And now he's, you know, playing in the, in the NFC Conference Championships for the first team he ever saw live. Yeah, I love Big Bob Tunyon. That's a cool story. I believe I heard the stat that he's the first player since the merger to have more touchdown catches than incompletions on targets to him this season. And he's a, yeah, here's the reason why I like two tight end sets this week. I don't love picking between Gronk and Brait, uh, um, especially with them basically splitting, uh, running about the same amount of routes the last three weeks. Um, but I love the Tunyon setup because Tampa Bay is so tough to run against and he, Carlton Davis may be on Adams. So he could see more targets than usual. And then also Kelsey, I don't need to sell you on him. But the Bills allowed the second most receptions and receiving yards to the tight end position, too. So, yeah, picking between Kelsey, Tunyon, and a real cheap Knox, I kind of like going two of the three. Yeah, I dig that. That's cool. Um, The tight end to avoid, I also had Gronk, and you're mentioning the split between Brait and Gronk. Um, And we've talked about before, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, when we know that Gronk has uh, the, he still, despite his age and how banged up he has been over the course of his career, the ability to block and do it quite well. So if if Petten is getting the pressure that you mentioned earlier in the episode that he was able to get on Jared Goff and the Rams, then you might see Gronk running into block a little bit more and help his uh, former teammate out. Yeah, I could see a lot of dump-offs to, to Lenny Fournette, too, this game, I could foresee. Yeah. But, yeah, man, it's, it should be a fun chess match. Can't, can't wait to see Brady get fired up one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, it is going to be good. All right, so— Did you see him trying to high-five the ref last week? I liked that. That was pretty oh, funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and he was getting none of it. I do think social media has been a little bit uh, little bit brutal towards Tom. But he's had enough shine, so it's not like I'm feeling bad for him. But it has been interesting to—, to to see that and like when they played the Bears and the fo- you know fourth down thing and then yeah, yeah. getting snubbed by the ref, it's all been interesting. Um, things that are always interesting are props. These are what make the game fun. If you know it's out of hand and like you just blew it on the over or the under, whichever team you were rooting for or had money on, uh, props help make all of that feel a little bit better because they're so random. And BetMGM has a ton of them for this weekend's game. We're going to go through a couple that jumped out. Are you ready, Dalton? Dalton, I don't know if you've seen these yet, so I'm going to give them I have it. This and... would be good. Yeah. All right. Real time. Aaron yeah. Jones rushing and receiving yards over under 88 and a half. I'm going under because I I think the other backs are healthy enough to play at least one of them, and I just don't trust the workload here and the matchup. But I mean that number seems about right. But I'll I'll say under. I'll, I'll remain a hater for the for the, the the keep the theme of this Aaron Jones pod. I think that's fair. I mean it it is really dependent on whether or not Williams and Dylan. I'm not worried about Dylan, who I believe has like an Dylan has a quad issue and was limited today Thursday. Williams has an ankle issue. I mean, if, if if Williams doesn't play, I'm on the over on this. Even if A.J. Dillon, who's still a rookie in there, I, I, I'm going to give the advantage to Aaron Jones over. But if Williams plays, then that's a whole nother situation. Um, who will have the most receiving yards this weekend? I did this oh. one on my odds on Oracle, and I found it. I, like, had to sit there and go, well, Devontae Adams is this coverage, and, uh, well, Mike Carlton Davis has been really, really good, and J.R. Alexander, and, like, oh, God. So what do you – who are you leaning towards? 
I'm looking at the odds here. Give me Godwin at 20 to one just because of the long Ooh. shot here. And we, we, for the reasons we said, I mean, uh, the, the Jair on a banged up Evans, no Antonio Brown. Bucks could be playing from behind, and, and Godwin is, is healthier now. He had a million drops a couple weeks ago, and he's frustrated. But, um, yeah, at just 20 to 1, obviously, digs, digs at minus 200. Man, I don't know. That's a little too uh, too heavy there. But uh, Tyreek Hill, got a, a few a few decent receivers this weekend going with Adams and Kelsey, too. But give me Godwin at plus uh, you know, 20 to 1. So you like the odds of that one, which makes total sense. Um, I, without seeing the odds, took digs in our, our Mad Bets odds on Oracle segment. Well, look um, at how right you were. Look how right you were. <laughs> Heavily favored. So look at you. You're sharp. You're on it. Well, I just think you got you have to like in situations like this, I like to look at the projected point total and see where the most opportunities would be. And the if Josh Allen is trying to, again, recognizing that the Bills have like completely abandoned the run game and they're relying completely on Josh Allen's arm and assuming he's going to be playing from behind, that would make plenty of opportunities for Diggs, who I believe has had, what, how many hundred-yard efforts, consecutive hundred-yard efforts, you know, has, has he even not had a hundred yards since Thanksgiving, I guess is the better way to phrase it? He nearly had 90 targets in the second half of the season. I mean, the volume has been there, just out of control. And he's been so, so good. I was worried about this oblique injury that he was been playing through, but clearly he looks healthy enough. So, yeah, it's hard to argue with the, with the, with the volume there and, and him. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, been fantastic. Especially with count- Gabe, Gabe Davis banged up and Gabe Davis and Cole Beasley are banged up too. Not counting week 17, um, he has bec- – obviously that was like a different – situation um but not counting week 17 he has had over 100 yards since week 14 on that's wild crazy and he had by the way 90 over 90 in week 13 against your 49ers which you probably don't want me to bring up no you're right and he didn't even play that week 17 the whole game too so yeah that's misleading so he essentially was just yeah yeah uh, yeah that's it's wow what an impressive year so much for worrying about changing systems and, and josh allen's inaccuracy man i I definitely uh, missed missed out on on digs at draft tables this year for sure. All right, we're going to tease a little bit of the uh, futures, if you will. The 2021 NFL Draft first overall pick. Obviously, the odds are in the favor of Trevor Lawrence. Um, is there anyone else on this list that you think might be interesting? No, it looks like minus three thousand. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I agree with that. I don't know. No, no, it, it's going to be Lawrence. No question about it. I I don't think there may be be some smoke screens and and some media out there to get you to question it. But I would be shocked, and I would I would I would lay the wood here. I agree. I, I mean, I yes, all of that. The only thing that gives me pause is not even the Fields pick. It's the Penny Sewell. Uh, so we'll pick that makes me interested. Like, I think he is going to go. And I just, I, I am hoping for the love of Joey Burrows, that Jerry Burrow, that he goes to the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. No, no I've heard only great things about him. Supposedly really good. And uh, I don't think that um, Urban Meyer takes that. Jo- I think he's, he's pretty much set on Lawrence would be my guess. Yeah. All right. All right, so let's get into, you mentioned Urban Meyer, so let's get into some of these recent coaching hires and see if we can read the tea leaves a bit about where these teams are going for fantasy purposes. The big news that dropped today is that the Eagles hired the Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni as a head coach. Um, This is a little bit concerning to me because Nick Sirianni obviously has been working closely with Frank Reich, and Frank Reich obviously has close ties to Carson Wentz. Um... And we discussed last week how there was definitely a schism between Doug Peterson and ownership over which of these quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz, the Eagles wanted to move forward with. And obviously, uh, the front office is on the hook money-wise to with Carson Wentz, despite the fact that Jalen Hurts gave the team an undisputed and undeniable spark down the stretch. And the sample size wasn't too huge, and he definitely struggled a little bit from a passing perspective, which has been the knock against him in the last week. But um, to me, this signals that the favorite for the starting job, not that he can't lose it or not that things can change, but again, noting the money issues, is Carson Wentz. 
Yeah, that's not what I want to hear. I have heard some couple dynasty leagues, and yeah, oh man. So, yeah, that's yeah. That if that is the reason behind this, it's not not great news. If you uh, if you have hurts in a couple dynasties like myself, but man, yeah, Wentz's contract was always going to be a challenge to move, but yeah, this early signs point to maybe uh, both entering next year. Uh, well, obviously, if Wentz remains on the team, he'll he'll be the heavy favorite to start with that contract. But man, he was bad, and I, I thought that that franchise should just move on. I agree with you. But if we're looking at Sirianni and we're looking at Reich and we're looking at relationships, and this is always all industries, but especially the NFL, our industries based on relationships, I have to believe that at least Wentz has the edge right now. So brace yourself, Philadelphia. Um, (laughs) Oh, the memes are going to be great, though. That's something to look forward to. Dalton, last week we talked about being excited to potentially have Brian Dable coach up Justin Herbert in the replacement of Anthony Lynn, but uh, that's not going to happen. The LA Chargers stole the LA Rams defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, and he is now going to be the head coach. Um, We aren't 100% sure who he's going to bring on as his OC, but you have to admit that like on paper, the Chargers have a pretty good defense. So defensively that gives this team a boost and you've got this young guy this leader among men um, who has very little experience but a lot of rah-rah energy which seems to be the trend that the NFL is leaning towards right now Um, I just wonder what you do with this franchise quarterback yeah I guess my only real opinion of that would be just I prefer the an offensive-minded head coach takeover I guess with Herbert there but um yeah I don't I'm not don't have a super strong opinion on on Staley do you no, I mean, I, I again, I think we have to we have to see who officially comes over as the offensive coordinator. I believe um, the Rams declined permission to bring over their OC because there is a new rule in the NFL now where like other teams can't deny permission from position coaches, but if it's a lateral move OC to OC, they can. And so the Rams said, "No, nah, you can't take our OC." And I imagine the OC is sort of like, "Well, Sean McVay is still like the one doing the stuff, so I would like to have an opportunity to really work and have my own." Right. Pl- plays called and and actually call them. So it'll be interesting. And and there would be, you know, some connective tissue there between Staley because it's part of the former regime. Anyway, I think it's interesting though, that like the Rams and the Chargers from a, from a larger perspective are having a little bit or actually making a rivalry here, a bit of a cross-time rivalry instead of the Chargers sort of being this afterthought. I like it. And that is a weird dynamic of the coaches. I know Shanahan has prevented a lot of his coaches from moving. And it's just, I guess, part of it's just business, but it just does seem weird if they want to leave. If you're not getting a promotion, you're just, you're prevented from doing so. So that is an interesting dynamic from behind the scenes for coaching. And uh, we should also mention that the Lions have a new head coach. It is Dan Campbell, and he is very interested in, yeah, biting people's kneecaps. (laughs) Yeah, smash mouth football. Yeah, not 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 great. Yeah, Stafford. Yeah, <laughs> looks like you're going to be a, a smash mouth, establish the run type team. I think there are some other ports. How is that different? D- How is that different than what yeah, Matt Patricia bad. wanted to do? I know do. it's horrible. Yeah, he might as well have a pencil behind his ear when he was talking. But yeah, DeAndre <laughs> Swift. Uh, suppose they're going to line him out wide and maybe use him more as a slot receiver. I guess yeah. that's good news, PPR and all that. But overall, boy, that's that's not great rhetoric coming out of Detroit. No, and it's a <laughs> no. It's not. It's going to be especially problematic because I do not believe, and this is based on very little. Um, I'm not going to say nothing, but I will say very little. Um, I don't think Kenny Galladay is coming back to Detroit at all. I think he is on his way out. And unless Detroit decides to give him some big money, there is very little hope for me. So maybe, maybe Campbell is just, you know, trying to lean into what he, when he doesn't have any receivers, what is he going to do? He's just going to use a, DeAndre Swift for all the things. Yeah, because Marvin Jones is a free agent too. And yeah, Galladay was weird. Uh, he was dated or seemingly week to week for the final two months. So, uh, oh boy, that'd be a problem if he loses all of his receivers too. Poor, poor Stafford is having to deal with that coaching his whole career. If Stafford stays, I know Stafford's yeah. pre- presser after week 17 seemed to be like a, a goodbye to the city. Yeah, yeah, boy, that team, yeah, yeah. Come to San Francisco, Maddie. I'll, t- I'll take Stafford. <laughs> Yeah, you keep saying that. Everybody's after Deshaun Watson. Then that oh, I, oh, okay, I'll take him. Yeah, no problem. Yes, okay. Yeah, no, Deshaun <laughs> the tea, Watson. Yeah, the tea, by the up? way, in Houston is so hot. My goodness. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if, like, Deshaun Watson is 
it seems to be a losable. Like Cal McNair, who's Cal McNair going to hire now? By the way, like I, I, I feel like one of the objections um, that w- Watson had was that like Bienemy wasn't getting any love, and then and then after he complained, they gave Bienemy an interview, but it seemed awfully calculating. So I, I don't know that that is a whole other situation. We should talk one more. I want to discuss that. I don't think we touched on was Arthur Smith. Uh, moving from Tennessee, obviously had great success with not just Ryan Tannehill, but also Derrick Henry, and that offense um, elevated it and is now the head coach in Atlanta, which I'm kind of interested to see with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley, especially when you consider what, as I mentioned, he did with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, innovative new coach, but it's kind of a similar situation to Detroit in the sense of an aging quarterback. Will he stay? Big contract. And uh, Julio Jones, I, I don't know if he's if he's washed or not. Um, uh, talk about a team that hopefully uh, spends an early draft pick um, for fantasy purposes, of course, uh, uh, on a running back. That'd be nice. Atlanta mm-hmm. right there. They're really in need of a, of, a, of a running back there. But yeah, that's an interesting situation. Uh, if Can Julio bounce back? Calvin Ridley, I would imagine, is going to go certainly ahead of him in fantasy drafts next year. And um, yeah, Arthur Smith is certainly was uh, his, his his offensive system in Tennessee featured was super uh, play action heavy and was very very successful. But you make a good point about Atlanta not having the current personnel to install something similar to what they had in Tennessee. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see. That I think it remains to be seen where that where the coach ends up with the personnel there. I think it could look very different Atlanta roster from now until uh, week one next year. All right, so now we have the 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 two big names that are on Coach Watch are Biennemi, who we discussed, and like, I don't know if Cal McNair is going to actually do the thing that he should probably do if he would like to keep his franchise quarterback, although I don't even know if Biennemi in Houston at this point is going to be enough to save that situation. And also, Brian Dable. Um, Brian Dable, it's looking more and more like he's going to stay in Orchard Park and continue to have success, depending He's going to have success regardless, but like build on this season, regardless of what happens on Sunday. Give the enemy the, the job, even if it just means to get to save Watson on your team. I mean, yeah, Houston should just do that tomorrow or today. Yeah, yesterday. I agree with you. All right. Last two things quickly. Philip Rivers calls it a career. Andy Barons wrote a fantastic piece. You can check that out on the website. It's also on Twitter, by the way. You should follow us at Yahoo Fantasy. Um, Hall of Fame career, yes or no? So I'm bad at that at all sports. I've never like been a historian looking at that, but I guess just roughly he's top five in passing yards, touchdowns, completions, never missed a game since taking over. So I don't know. The stats are pretty, pretty there. Obviously the postseason hasn't been great, but having said that, this dude tore his ACL and meniscus and then played six days later in the AFC championship game, nearly beat an undefeated 16 and no Patriots team. So even kind of has a, a postseason story, a memory there. So I mean, with those stats, sure, it seems like a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that maybe people have short memories, too. Um, it'll be interesting. I feel like whatever narrative is slapped on a player is the one that carries them into, you know, the lore of their post-on-the-field career, post-playing career. For what it's worth, you know, we talk about interceptions all the time in current days, in the modern day, in the norm present day with Phillip Rivers. Touchdown to interception ratio of 421 to 209. That um, Yeah, where's that rake historically? I'm curious. I know yeah. YPA I'm looking up right now, he's tied for 10th in yards per attempt at 7.8 all time with Aaron Rodgers, Johnny Unitas, Bart Starr. I mean, pretty good company. I mean, 7.8 YPA. He didn't always translate that, you know, into the, the big touchdown seasons. And obviously, he offered nothing with his legs, took sacks. Uh, Super Bowls weren't there. But um, I don't know. He's also an interesting, you know, I mean, the dad gummit yelling on the sideline. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, you know uh, he'll, he'll be missed. I, agree. I mean, yeah, it was a great career. Great career. Um, so Philip Rivers is officially retiring. Ben Roethlisberger is still sitting with the idea. And... As he is sitting with the idea, the Pittsburgh Steelers have decided to sign Dwayne Haskins, who obviously was released from the Washington football team. Here is my initial gut take. For a team that has suffered from discipline-related issues, why in the world? I mean, it's so on brand. It is so 
like reeking of a lack of self-awareness. You are a team who cannot get your S together despite all the screaming and the like terrifying, I, I don't know. The, it just It just feels like this is a team that's always had locker room issues. They continue to have discipline problems and they're going to bring in a quarterback potentially that has additionally struggled with maturity and discipline issues. Now everyone's given allowed like one, two, three, four chances. I, I have no problem with that, but I also don't know if this is the right, I'm going to say the C word culture for a player like Haskins. Sure. I'm not going to back up, st- back up Haskins, but I will say that Roethlisberger, it does look like time for him to maybe retire. Um, Rivers, I could have seen him return another year and be perfectly adequate, but uh, Roethlisberger was a rough ending there. Um, yeah. So I don't know, but yeah, Haskins, I don't think is the long-term solution there. Um, yeah, he rough off the field issues there and on the field. Like, I mean, his advanced stats, you look at him, he's like bottom by far the worst in accuracy in the NFL. So a lot of question marks there. Um, yeah, I don't know if Pittsburgh's right Also doesn't did offer, either. among the young quarterbacks, Haskins doesn't offer the mobility. Like that was the knock coming out of college is that he's kind of a statue in the, in, in the pocket. And he doesn't offer the mobility that like next gen new era quarterbacks need in the NFL in 2021. And he's not, to your point, accurate like Joe Burrow. Like if you're not going to be mobile, then you have to be pinpoint like Joe Burrow. And if you're not that, then what are you doing? Yeah, being neither is a problem. So yeah, that's why being I don't neither. think anyone claimed him. Yeah, being neither is a problem. So yeah, it's a yeah, quarterback <laughs> position. Pittsburgh is a definitely gigantic question mark and running back for that matter. And you've got a lot of free agency issues. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is uh, an yep. unre- unrestricted free agent now. So you have potentially Deontay Johnson and um, the Claypool. kid out of Notre Dame. Claypool. Yeah, Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool. as the number one and number two receivers. I mean, I guess in this theory, like you, Haskins theoretically has a strong arm. So... <laughs> Yeah, there you go. that would have to be a, a, a deep super flex league, but I, I think it happened. Now it's still young his career, but yeah, it's nice to see him at least latch on somewhere. But yeah, it's a long shot at this point for Haskins to have any sort of uh, NFL career at this point. Well, I am sure that Charles Robinson and Therese Paler will dig in even deeper. They got the dirt. I mean, they are the insiders. Dalton and I like go to the tea party, have a couple sips. Well, we don't get the full pot of tea and it is Charles and Therese who can definitely sip that all day long pinkies up and you will get some of that information if and when you subscribe to the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast you should also because it is the time of year subscribe to the Yahoo Sports college podcast we've got Dan Wetzel Pete Thamel and Pat Forty covering you guys on that and oh Dalton knows this it's basketball season so you should check out posted up with Chris Haynes and that is our NBA related pod uh, after you've done all those things, if you haven't already, you can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That is at Dalton Del Don. And we will be back on Monday. Enjoy conference weekend. <laughs>